The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Scott Chu. What's going on there, Scott? Oh, not very much. You know, just uh, waiting to one day know that baseball is going to be played on a specific day. Uh, you know, at least MLB baseball. It's great that mm-hmm. we still have other sources, but that's why I, I just want baseball. Like, I'm glad we've been dragging this out because uh, <laughs> I, got, I got no other outlet. <laughs> I, I, where else am I going to scream about Rugnet Odor in March? You <laughs> well, can't we take that hoping, away from me. Last episode, we were hoping that by now, by this episode, uh, we'd have a, a collective bargaining agreement in place, but no dice. Yeah, they almost agreed to some stuff, according to Twitter rumors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But none of it was like when games will be played. Right. And uh, we're just grasping at straws here, grasping at news. And I uh, I reached out to you. I told you that uh, you're a genius there, Scott. We got a little news about Max Muncie. You were saying this. You were saying that, you know, you know, he might just be ready for the start of the season. And it looks like that's that's what's going on. He was on a, uh, a talk show, AM 570. And he said that whenever uh, baseball starts, he'll be ready to go. Yeah. and. That's great. You know, like, again, I'm still uh, like he's been saying that he's been progressing and all this other stuff. uh, And he's obviously really positive. He's kind of talked about how he it was never really. uh, But like, it wasn't really It wasn't going to require surgery. Yeah. This is all just pure speculation. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And I get it, right? Like, damage to UCL, that generally means uh, that stuff. But we just don't know. We, mm-hmm. we don't, it's not even like we have, like, it's not even like we're untrained, but we're looking at, like, the medical records. We don't know anything. And the Dodgers don't tell people anything about anything, right? They're the patriots of, the, of Major League Baseball. They don't disclose any information. So I get it. If you're risk averse, especially in those early drafts, you're thinking, I can't draft a guy that early who's not going to play. But once once news like this came out, uh, a little bit of news came out earlier and his ADP jumped 40 points. This will probably give it another 40. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Like that's the weird thing about getting 
uh, especially if you're in a shallower league, like mocking early is cool, but don't expect those values to keep going. We already saw a major change in Muncie's uh, draft position just from TGFBI, right? More of that is coming. Like more of that is going to keep happening. Like players are going to move way up or way down. So don't get attached to ADP yet. Think, just keep thinking about those mins and maxes because that's really where the tension is. Right. Yeah. How you doing, by the way, in your TGFBI? Uh, I remember that whole thing where I said you have to get an early third baseman. And if you don't, you're going to be screwed. and It's going to be hard. I just filled my last corner infield spot right now Ooh. with Yandy Diaz. Well, I feel okay not, about not, it. Not terrible, especially in a 15 team league. Yeah, not terrible. He'll play. Mm-hmm. And hey, maybe he'll elevate the ball. But I missed out on third base and it killed me. So mm. um, that's going to be a focus this season. Well, that's, so, he's your corner infielder or he, he's, he's, he's my corner. Your, my, okay, who's your third baseman? Uh, my, uh, you don't want to talk about it? I mean, <laughs> it's uh, not a top, a guy in my top 20, mm. uh, which is less than ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a guy who I went into the draft thinking like, oh, I'll be okay as long as this happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Drafts just get weird. Right. My starting yeah. third baseman is Brian Anderson. And that's just because he'll play. Like he's not better than Andy Diaz necessarily. Right. right? I just think he'll play. Uh, and that it's all going to be okay. But, you know, and then even then still for a backup corner infield, I have to draft one. But, you know, like in this, I'm at pick 354. The best third baseman on the board is probably like Hunter Dozier. Mm-hmm. Or like a gamble on Jose Miranda, or God forbid, Rugnet Odor, right? Like <laughs> all we've, he's, he's in the top. Like, he's in the top. He's in the top ten of ADP of available third baseman. That's right. all I'm going to say about it. That's all. That's all that can be said, right? It's ugly. It's nasty. And one of the guys that's ahead of him won't be drafted because it's Josh Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And he's out. Yeah. So like, yeah, like it, was... it's ugly. That was tough. Done for the year. Just came out of nowhere. Yeah, so I I came in, and in every draft I did, I was able to get certain pieces. And in this one, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't paying good enough attention to the min-max picks. That's my own fault. Mm -hmm. But I can still recover. I I really like the rest of my infield. Uh, I really like my outfield. Um, Some dude named Akil Badu is my fourth outfielder. Don't know if you've heard of him. I... Uh, you know, uh, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. And, well, yeah, yeah. and you know what? He's one of my outfielders on TGFBI as well. How about there that? There you go. Where'd you get him? Where'd, where'd you pick him? Uh, I, I got him in, earlier me, than, than everyone else. That's what I'll say. Did you? <laughs> well, I went really early on Julio Rodriguez compared to everyone else. But I got Badu in the 10th round. Oh, and, uh, love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, though, I love every Badoo pick, <laughs> right. right? Like, at no point am I sitting here thinking, like, oh, Badoo, that's never going to happen. You you want to get cheered for a pick? You, you take Akil Badoo and you tag me on Twitter. You <laughs> always I, get... I should have done that, really. I really should have. I should have recorded myself live making the pick and then uh, sent it to you on Twitter. I, I, would, on Twitter. I, I would appreciate that next yeah, time, yeah, yeah. please. I will. I will. But I got him a 12th pick of the 10th round. Uh, did you go much earlier than that with him? No, I think it was around then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I mean, that leads us to our uh, what we're going to talk about today, right? Outfielders? I mean, yeah, top thirty. The top thirty outfielders. We're trying to get through the top thirty outfielders, and uh, yeah, just a, a ton of them. And obviously, it, you know, the way you draft and, and roster your outfielders depends on the, the type of league that you're playing. Uh, I'm sure that most of you probably play in leagues where you're starting only three. The league that we were just talking about is a 15 team league where we're starting five outfielders. So. Uh, we get a little deeper than that, but why don't we just jump into it? Yeah, I mean, outfield's interesting because it goes in a in a three outfield twelve team league. It's the deepest position by a wide margin, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and in a five team fifteen team or a fifteen team five outfield league, all of a sudden it is actually quite shallow, especially on the back end because you're trying to find play. I mean, you get to a point in the even in the top one hundred outfielders that you're like, I hope he plays. Right, I hope right, he gets right. enough time. Like, you know, we're not going to talk about him today, obviously, but like, yeah, I ranked uh, Jock Peterson. I think he can do some cool stuff if he plays, hmm. if he mm-hmm. does, you know, if he, you know, or Kyle Lewis or Pavit, like Jorge Mateo's got a, like these guys, like it, you will, you Connor Joe, right. I mean, I think he will play, but guys like that, you just want to make sure that yeah. I mean, that's the key in a, in a, a deep league is right. I, I think what you're getting at is just making sure that you're, you're going to roster someone and put them in your starting lineup that they're at least going to have 500 at bats. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the last thing I'll say before we get started is the one time to, if you are, if you do play the deeper leagues and you play shallow leagues, you're going to have a trap you have to fight through. And it's when you do your shallow league draft, which will almost certainly be later, right? Um, you'll do your shallow league draft and you're going to be like, oh my God, I cannot believe that so-and-so is still on the board, right? At outfield. And it's because you only need three, right? Right, right. Uh, and, and so people are willing to wait on that third outfield. So don't get caught in this trap where you think you have to take a guy because the value's there, right? right outfield right, right. is insanely deep. In 10 and 12 team Yahoo standard leagues, which use yes. the three outfielders. It's mm-hmm. crazy deep. And obviously you have two utility spots, so you could still take that outfielder if you think he's a good player, but don't just be like, well, it's ADP. That doesn't matter as much. Like ADP is actually really hard. You want to look at like site specific ADP sometimes because like ESPN runs 10 team or uh, 10 team five outfield leagues a lot more often or 12 team mm-hmm. five outfield leagues and Yahoo almost exclusively does the three outfield format. Right. Right. And then CBS does five and if BC does five, but those draft, like those ADPs are really going to screw with you because a three outfield league and a five outfield league draft differently. Mm-hmm. Right. They have different concerns. They have different things they have to do. Right. They can't chase upside as hard. For example, in deeper leagues, they have to have floor. Whereas in the 12 team league, that third outfielder, absolutely. You can gamble. Right. If you want, because yeah. there's going to be a decent one right there on the wire. So that's the trap I'd say to avoid. But we're not going to worry about that because the guys we're talking about are guaranteed starters in in all formats. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the first two we'll talk about, Tier 1, we don't even have to spend a lot of time on them. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Juan Soto. Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, I've been very uh, vocal on this podcast of telling you that in uh, redraft leagues, uh, I am not going to be rostering him that uh, shoulder does scare me and uh, Steve Phillips, a former GM of the Mets. He was doing some uh, labor coverage, the uh, league of alternative baseball reality. And he agreed with me. So 
he vindicated me. No, just but that's just me. And I, I did get one share of uh, Juan Soto so far. Uh, picked him up uh, with the overall number four pick in TGFBI, right? But we know what they could do. Look, they're, they're superstars, and as long as Tatis is healthy, and uh, knock on wood, he will be. He's he's one of the best players in in baseball, no doubt, and shortstop outfield eligible, which is yeah, a really good. weird combination, but yeah. I love it. Yes. Uh, I mean, obviously, again, I've I've made it clear Tatis is the top player on my board. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd be the first player I take in in pretty much any draft. But you know, uh, points league players, I think, have a much tougher decision to make there because Juan Soto is everything you ever wanted in a points league. He makes a ton of contact. Mm-hmm. He walks as much as he strikes out. He's got a ton of power. He hits in the you know the first three spots of the lineup every day, like so. He has a ton of plate appearances. Uh, and there's room for growth for, for crying out loud. He's wild. <laughs> yes. So, so I can see that argument because, you know, usually the steals are going to win out, but in formats where steals just don't matter mm-hmm. and you take those away, then all of a sudden Soto looks really appealing, even with Tatis still on the board. So that's right. the one thing I'll say, uh, because you might be in that position, but otherwise mm-hmm. like, well, there's not a bad pick here. Right. Right. Tier two starts off with Bryce Harper. NL MVP, don't really have to talk about him a lot. 309, 35 home runs, 13 stolen bases last season. You could expect a little batting average regression. Uh, Stats were a bit more pedestrian against left-handed pitching, 257 batting average, 401 slug against southpaws, but, you know, really not much to talk about there. Kyle Tucker, uh, he comes in as your fourth-ranked outfielder in Tier 2. You know, I know you love this guy. I love him as well. 25 years old, bright young star of the game, 5 tool guy. Unfortunately, batted sixth a lot last season. You know, Dusty Baker likes to do that righty-lefty thing uh, when he sets his lineups. But uh, this guy, uh, just a a present star and a future star. He's only uh, going to get a little bit better because, you know, but he's awesome now. 30 home runs, 14 stolen bases last season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I talked about this a lot last year, but he's one of these guys where – his stats didn't jump off the page coming into last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were good. Um, they, they were very good. They gave us promise, but like it was more than that because when you watched him, you just saw, you saw the at bats, you saw mm-hmm. the balance. So like seeing that walk rate get close to 10%, seeing him drop that strikeout rate to like 15.9, like every, it's everything you wanted to see Kyle Tucker do. So now he's sitting here as, you know, possibly, yeah, especially if he gets a few more chances to run, you're possibly looking at a 30-20 guy mm-hmm. with, you know, with up to definitely, yeah, 180 to 200 combined runs in RBI, 30 home runs. Like, what? What's not to like about this guy? He's he's an excellent defender. The only thing he can't do is play center, mm. right? And who cares? Yeah, that's the Astros' doesn't, problem, not yours. It doesn't matter for fantasy managers, no. So, uh, next guy, Ronald Acuna Jr. Obviously, the longer that the lockout lasts, the better for him, right? Um, has a 32-steal, 162-game average, but you got to wonder uh, as he's recovering from an ACL tear if he's going to run as much uh, this season, but we'll see. Uh, and uh, Mike Trout follows him up. Unfortunately, 2021 was a lost season due to his calf injury, torn calf. More of a, a four-tool player lately, not stealing as many bases as he had in the past. And, um, you know, uh, basically still the, the, up until now, uh, the players that we've talked about, Scott, first rounders. 
Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and so here's the thing. Mike Trout, Ronald Cunha Jr., I all but guarantee that they get taken in the first round if we get good news, right? If you know, Obviously, we've seen some video of Ronald Acuna Jr., and like there, a good point is made that they don't post videos of them like struggling, right? They're going to post videos <laughs> of them. Sh- <laughs> yeah, they're going yeah. Yeah, to post videos of themselves just raking, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that's what Acuna did. Um, Acuna, Mike Trout, you know who they are. You know why they're some of the best and, you know, most exciting players in the game. And Acuna, uh, like, the, it's injury risk. That's fine. I get it. Man, when they're healthy, they're so good. And in yeah. a 12-team league, that replacement level's so high, right? Yeah. It's hard not to take these gambles, it's, especially well, if you have – and we don't even know if this is actually going to impact them coming into the season right now. Right. Again, our fear is speculative. It's important. Just because it's speculative doesn't mean it's not true, right? All kinds of things are speculative before they're true. Right. But it's just speculative right now. You can't take it as full truth. So keep your ear to the ground uh, and don't be afraid to take this risk in shallower leagues where there's good replacement value. Yeah, definitely. Deeper leagues push that down because it's really hard to go when you miss on early picks Mm -hmm. in deeper leagues. But in shallower leagues, you can get away with it more. That's why, like, Ronald Acuna Jr. finished as a high, like a top 20 fantasy hitter. Despite playing like half the season, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you're right. And, and you could like you could that take says him. it all. <laughs> yeah, like what? What do you want these guys to do? They're amazing <laughs> on a per at bat basis. That matters even more in shallower leagues. So don't be afraid. But again, if if it's a deep league, I could see someone taking the guy ranked seventh at the bottom of this tier, Mike uh, Mookie Betts, and putting him right above Acuna and Trout if you're really risk averse, mm-hmm. right? And you don't want to take uh, injury risk or maybe you're in a keeper league or something and you already have a lot of injury risk on your team and you want to mitigate that, you can go for a guy like Mookie uh, from, you know, from this tier. But, um, you know, obviously- Some would even say that Mookie is a bit of an injury risk because of all the injuries he had last season. Yeah. And that hip injury that he had. And, uh, and you know, I'm sure that, it was on the advice of doctors, but it's not like he had surgery to repair that that hip. W- would you consider him the least risky of Betts, Acuna, Trout? W- would Betts be the least risky of that trio, in your opinion? I, I guess, mm. right? Like, <laughs> who scares you the most uh, of those three? Anyway, you know, none, I mean, you, you, none great. Of like, mm-hmm. I, I, I hate talking about fear. This early in the draft, right? I know you and I are different because I'm not afraid of Fernando Tatis Jr. Because I believe Boom. that he knows his body. <laughs> I think that he um, has has trained very well. I think that mm. this is something he's managed his entire career. So why should it fall apart now? But either way, like Acuna, Trout, all I want is news. And until I have more news, like there's nothing. We, we don't have any timelines right now of like, this is how many games we project them to miss. Because we don't even know when the season is going to start. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually do tend to pivot in these situations. And I like to say, like, if you're going to let these guys drop a little, you know, if I start seeing, you know, if I start seeing them fall on the draft farther than they should, I'm absolutely grabbing them because I'll take that chance because would it like, how weird is it for either one of them to be the best hitter in fantasy baseball? Right. Not, right. not at all. If Ronald Acuna Jr. was healthy, he'd be the number one player on the board. Guaranteed. Yes. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. So, but now you can get him later and he might still play the whole season. And there's good reason to suggest that he is going to play a lot this season. And there's not a lot to suggest that he won't run. Like, yes, you get ACL surgery, but 
like it's not the same as like a Tommy John where it takes a year to get your command back. Right. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's fixed. It's rehabbed. It's professionally rehabbed. Uh, every day that the season is delayed, we get closer to like a one year timeline. Beautiful. Right. He's right. 24 years old with access to some of the best medical, like some of the best medical attention he can get in this country. Like I like his I'm, chances. I'm sure that he's seeing some of the best doctors in the country. Yes, but then on the other hand, you look at it now. Uh, since the beginning of December was it, the lockout happened December first, I think. Right? Uh, he hasn't had uh, any contact with team doctors, team trainers. Does, does does that scare you a little bit? No, I said he was seeing the best doctors in the country, not Atlanta's doctors. <laughs> I'm not saying that he's going to go see the best doctors. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, he's not, he's not the Met. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How scared should I be? No, like, yes, he could miss a little bit of time. He's Ronald Acuna. I don't care. Mm. Okay. Let's move on to tier three, which is a pretty big tier. And uh, I, I'm going to get some shares of this guy, Jordan Alvarez, your eighth-ranked outfielder, just 25 years old. Uh, last season was just utility-eligible, but outfield-eligible this season. And if you remember last year going into uh, the season, a lot of people were hesitant to draft him because he was coming off of uh, having surgery on both his knees. And uh, But he had a, a huge 2021 season. Hit two was never a question mark. The knees were, but... Uh, uh, I'm definitely going to try to get some shares of Jordan Alvarez. And the next guy, I just showed you that uh, I picked up uh, an action figure of uh, my man, Aaron Judge. I was at a toy show uh, this past Sunday. And, uh, you know, Aaron Boone, Yankee managers, uh, I guess he knows Judge long enough where, remember, if you, even uh, one of the episodes we did last season that uh, Judge was on the bench for a couple of days and I was – little worried a little upset about it but just seems that maybe the yankees and and boone now know how to manage uh judge so that he stays off the il right they 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 they, they see uh, when it's time for him to take a little bit of a rest uh, showed some improvement in plate discipline last season and you know if he's healthy you know you're going to be getting you know a 270 to 280 batting average and 40 home run uh tons of runs scored in an rbi and a handful of uh, stolen bases yeah, so it's really interesting because the the hitters that we're going to talk about in in this tier and really up until now, um, they're pretty much all guys that can hit 30 home runs except for Starling Marte and maybe Cedric Mullins, right? Mm-hmm. Power is a big deal at the top in, in the outfield. You have to be able to hit the ball really hard to be an elite outfielder due to the talent we have in the league right now. And Jordan Alvarez is a good example of what that looks like. Right. This guy has been nothing but incredible every time he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, there were some problems with him not playing early on. Uh, and I could sit here and be all like snooty and be like his slugging dropped by almost 100 points mm-hmm. between his first two years. But that's because he was slugging six, like 640. Mm-hmm, <laughs> he gets mm-hmm. wild. Right. The guy's just rakes. Um, he does everything you want him to do. He has good plate discipline does it all he just doesn't run but he did steal a base one base which is one base more than i ever thought he would some Mm -hmm. of the projections got him for two now i think that's like a hundred percent increase yeah 
really <laughs> aggressive, really, really aggressive. But uh, the other part of his projection, which is like 110 RBI and 40 home runs, that seems pretty much on pace, right? If you look over the course of his career, his mm-hmm. home run rate per 150 games, which again is more than he's ever played in a single season. But if you looked at 150 games, it'd be about 39 home runs. If you take his, you know, his averages so far. Yeah. And uh, that sounds about right to me. You know, uh, he hit I think 27 in 87 games in 2019. Yeah. And that was the year of the, the rabbit ball. Right. But uh, still 27 yeah. home runs in 87 games. You know, the wild thing about that is he was the second best hitter on his team during that stretch behind Yuli Gurriel <laughs> of all people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But so, yeah, so I, I like Alvarez. Obviously, I like Judge. Judge is a very known commodity. He's a little annoying in weekly league sometimes. You also said you liked my the action figure that I showed you, too. I do like the yeah, action yeah, figure. Okay, That's yeah, a very right, important right, part yeah, of my yeah, draft yeah, analysis. Yeah. But uh, obviously, again, he gets managed. But again, I, in a daily league, I love that I'll just know, like, oh, I'll just put in a different outfielder. In a weekly league, that's really annoying. But so yeah. be it. Yeah, I think, you know, the guys that I'm more interested in are almost like the second half of this tier because I want to just see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lewis Robert, I, I love to see what's going to happen. He's got speed. He's got contact ability. He, he can do it all. Nick Castellanos, I want to see where he goes, right? Um, Cincinnati was a great, great, great location for him, and I'd love for him to go back there. I'm not sure he will, but this is a 30 home run bat pretty much everywhere except for some of the most difficult places to hit. Uh, just because and he hits for average and he hits I mean, for you average. Know him well from his, his time with Detroit. With he the led the league in triples as a tiger, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which I actually referenced in my article that just dropped, which is the second base ranks, which you already heard about a couple weeks ago. And now you get it in the written form. But that, you know, the thing is Nick Castellanos, he doesn't, he doesn't hit these like towering moonshots as much. He does hit a lot of line drives. He does spray the ball quite a bit. So that can take away his home run totals in certain parks, but Cincinnati was perfect for it. Yeah. Uh, in, in Great American Ballpark, I like to ask her. Hernandez, obviously, he had, a, he had his sort of second breakout. He mm-hmm. plays on one of baseball's most exciting young lineups. Uh, Started stealing bases, too. Yeah, why not? bases last season. Why not, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, outfield is crazy deep, and there really aren't that many picks that I'm at, like, that I would consider super risky in the top 15, right? Mm-hmm. They all feel pretty good. Uh, Starling Marte, look, he's probably not going to steal bases at the clip he did when he was in Oakland A, because generally speaking, um, th- you see stolen base trends like that when teams are desperate uh, and losing a lot of games or need to get up uh, and, and make it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we saw this with Robbie Grossman early on with Detroit because they had lost a ton of games. We saw it with Mark Canha early on for the A's because they had lost a bunch of games in a row. So they just kept sending him trying to generate run production. I do think the stolen bases could, could come down a little bit, but he's still an elite base dealer. Uh, he's going to play for the Mets. So they're going to have reasons to send him because they're probably going to be playing from behind because they're the Mets uh, mm-hmm. trying to win another one run ball game that, you know, Jake DeGrom ends up losing anyway. So, <laughs> He he's still gonna run. Uh, this was a weird signing for the Mets because I felt like their outfield was in pretty good shape, but whatever. Cedric well, remember, Mullen. Conforto's a free agent too, so. Oh yeah, I mean that's mm-hmm. decent point. Um, you know, obviously we have probably the two riskiest picks in the top fifteen are Doug number fourteen and fifteen. They are Cedric Mullins and Tyler O'Neill, and that's just because we have one really good year to bank on, mm-hmm. and these other guys have multiple generally. 
So, you know, and then closing out the tier is sort of the opposite, which is just Mr. Reliable, and that's Whit Merrifield. And I actually had a really fun fact about Whit Merrifield. If you were following me on Twitter, uh, I had a little trivia question where Whit Merrifield was, in fact, the answer. It's focused on second base, but it's still, to me, pretty cool. Um, Whit Merrifield, in, you know, since 2019, has, and let me, I'm just quickly going to pull up the uh, the stats here. I'm sorry. No, it's over the last four seasons. He's only missed three total games. He's first in games played. He's first in played appearances and he's first in hits. He's second in stolen bases and third in doubles. Whit Merrifield over the last four seasons is really, really good at playing, Mm. playing well and stealing bases, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The home runs aren't what you want, but man, in a points league, I love this guy Mm -hmm. in deep leagues. I love this guy because he plays every single day. He gets like 700 plate appearances and he hits for a high average. And one of the most underrated stats uh, that we just don't talk about enough is just plate appearances. Like, Roto Leagues are not based on per at-bat. They are based on totals. And very few leagues have hard maximums that are, you know, that are tough, that you might actually hit, right? So, Whit Merrifield just gives you more volume. And a lot of stats, are, especially on the hitting side, are Mm -hmm, volume-based, right? So why not get the guy with the most volume? Yeah. The most. Like over the last four seasons, it is literally the most. He has more hits than anyone else, right? And you boil this game down. Why don't you want that guy? <laughs> why don't you want the guy with more hits than anyone else? Mm-hmm. Oh, but he doesn't hit it very hard, Scott. But he hits it all the time. Who cares? Like he sprays the ball everywhere. Love this guy. And I feel like don't get sucked in this trap of, oh, well, the power's not great, blah, blah, Because like, that's only part of his game, right? Mm-hmm. A huge part of his game is playing every single day on the most aggressive base stealing huge. team in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a really good hitter. He's yeah. an amazing hit tool. One of the best in the league. Like don't overthink it folks. <laughs> yeah. He might, he might not be a sexy pick, but he's going to produce for you. So that's because y'all love home runs and I do too, but don't mm-hmm. forget about plate appearances. This guy has 700 plate appearances every year. Go mm-hmm. go to your other favorite players and see how many of them have 700 plate appearances every year. Just doesn't well, happen. I'm glad, uh, just going back to what you said about Marte, that you kind of referenced that he might not steal as many bases due to the type of game flow, and you didn't just blame it all on, on Buck Showalter, because I think a lot of people just get lazy, and they say, well, you know, Showalter doesn't let his players steal. So I went and checked, and, you know, uh, Tony Womack in 1999 stole 72 bases for the 100-win Diamondbacks, and you know who the, that team was managed by? Buck Showalter. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, Roberto yeah, Kelly. Shut up, idiots. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Roberto Kelly stole 28 bases for him uh, when he managed the Yanks in 1992. Basically, Showalter is the kind of manager, whether you like him or not, he's going to use the talent that he has at his disposal and, and get the most out of them. So, and that's the, the key. Yeah. That's the key. Like when he was with the Orioles, they didn't have a lot of great base stealers. Correct. Right. Yes. So they, and when they did, it was Jonathan, like Jonathan VR, which was a little later on and they let him run. So, yeah. I mean, show Walter is a good manager. And when you have a guy like Starling Marte, why wouldn't you send him? Correct. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where that's not really our style, but before we signed to the guy, we made sure you're going to let him run. Mm-hmm. You don't sign the guy without show Walter saying, yeah, I'll let him run. 
Right. Like, you I know he was, was one a of mess. the interview questions, like, before they hired him. They said, look, you know, I think they signed Marte before they signned Show Walter, did they? I don't remember at this point, but either way, the conversation is the same. Yeah, right? yeah. Listen, the find Marte. Are you going to let him run? <laughs> yeah. That would be like an interview question. And, and just just so you know, Buck, uh, <laughs> your jersey doesn't sell real well in the shop. Right. So, <laughs> so if we have to pick between the two of you, yeah, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna pick the one who makes us money, right, and wins right. wins games. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, obviously, I still like. Marte a lot. I just mm-hmm. you can't expect anyone to steal bases the way he did. Right, uh, right. And, and you know, especially in his you know mid thirties now, thirty three, thirty four uh, years old. It's it's going to be tough. But he'll still you know I'd bank that he'd go twenty twenty five. You know maybe you know up to up to thirty. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. And and then then you kind of look at tier four, and this is where the safety starts going away. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. It's still really, really good players with really, really good upside, but we're already seeing the shift with more and more risk. It starts right at the top of the tier with George Springer, right? Let's let's uh, let's take a break before we go to tier four. But I do want to ask you real something real quick. Tyler O'Neill, um, a lot of people love him. Some people a little worried about that thirty-one percent K rate. What about you? I think that in leagues that are deeper where batting average is harder to get. I care a little more about that, but also he, he's shown that he can strike out at higher rates and have a good batting average because he's fast and hits the ball hard, right? There's a reason he has these, his, his, you know, he's got these crazy high BABIPs in three of his four appearances in the majors, right? Mm -hmm, It's because mm -hmm. when you hit the ball real hard, it tends to find the grass Mm -hmm. right now. What it also does is shows us that the basement can be real low, right? He needs his margin for error is really tight. So that's the one thing you have to be ready for, right? Yes. The upside is amazing. It's like 40 home runs, 20 stolen bases, something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, with like, a two, yeah. Yeah, with like <laughs> 260 average, right? Like that's the upside. The problem is that the downside is this like mid twenties home run guy who is, you know, sharing time because he just can't find his hit tool with mm-hmm. a like a sub 300 OBP, right? And that's a guy that's really hard to give too many chances when yeah. you're a professional baseball team. So, you know, that yes, there's there's risk, right? Like his profile looks a lot uglier as like a 22 home run, 12 stolen base guy <laughs> mm-hmm. because he's struggling to get on base. So it's something I'm going to be watching for, but it's not something I'm super scared of because he has shown us several times that he can access this power and play style and have some success. Right, right. All right, so we're going to take a a quick break, and then we're going to go into Tier 4, George Springer, Byron Buxton, Randy Arezarina, and we'll talk about them and more right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, well, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Joe Galina, Scott Chu, breaking down the early part of the outfield position. And we're up to tier four of Scott Chu's ranks. And George Springer is Scott's 17th ranked uh, outfielder. Scott, you were going, uh, you were starting to talk about him, and uh, we ended up taking a, a quick break. What do you have to say about Springer? Uh, what I have to say about Springer is generally that once again, he showed us why we get so excited about this guy because a 130 game season from him is outstanding. When he plays, he's amazing, right? Over the last two seasons, he has 129 games and 36 home runs, right? 86 RBI or 82 RBI, uh, 90 something runs scored. And like a 265 batting average, 264 batting average, a slugging, uh, you know, a slug that's well over 500. The guy just like continues to rake. Like he just mm-hmm. hits, he hits really, really well. And yes, there's huge injury risk, right? Like, like what is Steamer doing projecting 150 games for this guy? Right? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, let's, let's not, let's not get crazy. But, you know, if you look at someone like the bat or ATC, that is more in like the 130 game range, you sort of get a better look at that upside. And what mm-hmm. you see is like a 30, I, you know, what I see is more like a 35 home run hitter mm-hmm. uh, in, in that, in like 130 games with full se- like he can give you full season stats in, you know, 30 games less than everybody else. Right. Right. So, so that's the thing. It, it's a very, it's a very risky pick because of health. Uh, you know, he's only played, he hasn't played 140 games in a single season since 2018. It was 120 or 122 in 2019. He did play 51 of the 60 game season, which, you know, is, is pretty good. Uh, it's not perfect. You would have liked to see him play a little more, but 85% of games played is usually something that I'm very happy with. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, he only played 78 games last year. Still hit 22 home runs. Yeah. F- stole four bases somehow, right? He does steal a handful of bases. It's not zero. And I know I talk about this a couple of times, but I do want people to remember that you shouldn't ignore stolen base numbers that are not zero to two, right? Zero to two or even three, you can kind of ignore. You can not count on it. But those five to seven steals, those matter. Those really matter, especially in uh your tighter formats because you'll find that four or five stolen bases can definitely be the difference between one or two roto points yeah, and one definitely. or two points in the standings yes and absolutely. one or two dollars right yeah. like how many times middle season late season have you looked at the categories and you're like oh man i'm too behind uh you know the, my next person up in my league in the stolen base category and then you know you get someone who's going to steal four bases for you there you go (laughs) now all of a sudden you're either tied in that category or past the guy or gal in front of you so so important and such a great point yeah so you don't want to miss out on that stuff but like 
what's weird is in this tier, he's not even like the biggest risk reward player, right? <laughs> it's actually the next guy, Byron Buxton, yes. who has totally changed the type. Like when we did see him last season, and it was only 61 games, which is a bummer. But over the last two seasons, we've seen him for exactly 100 games, and he's also hit 32 home runs. <laughs> Stolen on bases, right? So he's he's playing really, really well when he plays. The problem is when he plays is freaking never. Right. He never plays. That's so a fifty plus home run. If you, if you you know calculate that for a full season, what you just said the the thirty two home runs in a hundred games. Uh, a problem is he doesn't play a full season. Yeah. But so. Yeah, but before we saw him as like true, like if he can play a full season, which he's only played over a hundred games in the majors one time, mm-hmm. once 2017, and he was a 29 stolen base, 16 home run player, right? So thing is, he sort of as he's gotten older, switched it, right? So instead of being a stolen base first, home run guy second, he's a home run guy first now and a stolen base guy second, and he's a real 30 20 threat if he plays more than a hundred games mm-hmm. problem is odds are that he won't, he just won't. And in a deep league, that's a really hard thing to stomach. But as I've talked about in a shallow league, if you have been saving your injury risk, this is where you can spend it because mm-hmm. this guy is, is really, really special. You don't want to reach for him because again, the risk is massive, right? 61, like those 61 games were awesome, but covering the other, uh, Covering the other 161 game or 101 games that season is less awesome, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a lot harder. So obviously it would have ended up being a good player because of just how good he was in that time. But man, the margin for error, again, really, really razor thin on that. But if you've been saving your injury risk and you're in like a three outfield league where mm-hmm. replacement level is insanely high, I might even bump him like I might even push him up my overall rankings a little and be a little more aggressive on that because I can recover from that. Yeah. Just 28 years old, uh, signed a seven year, $100 million extension. That's going to keep him with the twins through 2028. Nothing scientific here, Scott, but I just had, I don't know. It's just like, I have a gut feeling that I think this is going to be the season where he puts it all together and, and plays a significant amount of games. Like I said, just a, a gut feeling, uh, you know, that he, he signed that contract. He's comfortable. Uh, but look, you know, historically, he hasn't. So there's a, also a good chance that he won't. But and I just have a feeling. Yeah. And, and it's worth noting that over the last three seasons, we no longer are worrying about what's going to happen. Like, we're no longer trying to be like, this is when he puts it all together. We've seen him put it all together. Yeah, we know. What and it's do. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Real good. Mm-hmm. right like 61 games with 19 home runs and nine stolen bases he would have been like the mvp of the shortened season yeah, yeah. right like easily mm-hmm. uh and, but he played 61 games in 162 game season right. so that's less impressive mm-hmm. and what i really like about last season if nothing else is it got us to the point where we're no longer hoping he puts it all together we're hoping that he plays right and again right. a a it's not the the history does not suggest that that's going to go real well. Exactly. But I'll chase a guy who got four war in sixty one games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was his season high. Like that's his career high for single season war. It's amazing. 
He did it in 61 games. Yeah. That's the kind of transformation he made. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Randy Arena. Did I say that right? Arena. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He thumbed his nose, Scott, at StatCast stats that pointed to a decline in his point. Well, last season, I'm seeing that, you know, his expected stats are, are worse than his uh, his actual stats. I mean, if this guy was Italian and he does have a value at the end of his last name, he would have put his hand under his chin. Now, I'm going to show you this, Scott. Uh, uh, listeners can't. And he would just say, hey, screw you and your stat cast because this is what I'm doing. I'm, he ended up 274, 356 OBP, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. So it just seems that we, this guy just, we just, do we need to disregard these stat cast expected stats? Man, it's really hard to, to care that much because in 183 career games, he's got 20 home runs or 28 home runs, 26 stolen bases, 267 batting average, 480 slug. Mm -hmm. Like the plate discipline leaves a little to be desired. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that he walks close to 10% of the time that helps offset that just below 30% strikeout rate, but like 133 WRC plus through 703 plate appearances, which is a normal season for wit, but it took 183 games for Randy Rosarina like this is a 2020 guy. Like yeah. don't let don't let the stat cast fool you too much. He's got a lot of speed that helps mm-hmm. him sort of beat some of that stat cast stuff. Uh, and stat cast doesn't account for things like directional hitting, right? It, it doesn't. It can't really account for some of that stuff. Uh, it only really reads launch angle and exit velocity, and that sort of puts him in a rougher spot than maybe others because he doesn't hit a ton of line drives. And these things that often like bump people's, uh, you know, bump up the rates, but he mm-hmm. does hit the ball awfully hard. Um, obviously he's got a, a really, he's got that 20% home run fly ball, which you, I used to really worry about, but now I see that he's done it for a while now. Um, he does spray the ball a bit, not a ton. He does pull it a little harder, but again, at the end of the day, he, he can do everything we need him to do. And I'm not super concerned about these uh, stat about this stat cast data because it said the same thing before and it didn't seem to matter. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So yes, I would definitely recommend checking out things like his rolling charts to see if you find anything you don't like, but beyond that stat cast is really helpful, but it's not a Bible, right? It can't. The, the one thing I don't like is that he, got caught 33.3% of the time that he tried to steal base. And I'm thinking that maybe the Rays might just rein him in a little bit there. So maybe he won't be a 2020 guy. Maybe he's a 2015. Maybe I'm overthinking it. But, uh, you know, maybe it was just a little bit too reckless on the, on, the, on the base pass. But like you said, he does have a lot of speed. Hits the ball hard. Uh, and uh, But like I said, if he was Italian, Ufa to the stat cast stats. Um, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound very nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, JD Martinez, a friend of yours. From, I love JD Martinez. Yeah. Guy's his own hitting coach. Yeah. And I remember he had that rough, you know, he had that rough 2020, and people mm-hmm. were wondering if he'd lost it all. And then he was like, nah, you guys are dumb. I'm still great. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I still love that. Uh, JD Martinez is a really safe pick to me. He doesn't steal any bases, but Boston's mm-hmm. a little better than I thought they would be. And he's going to hit. And I have yeah. no, like, I do not expect him to have extended slumps. He's had it like one time. Uh, and I'm willing to forgive him for it. Yes, he's old, but he doesn't need to run. He just hits it. 
He's got amazing bat speed, amazing contact ability. He can do it all. So not that worried about J.D. Martinez. Yeah, the only um, thing he's not going to do is steal bases. Yeah. I, I, and, they, you know, just took a, a more aggressive approach at the plate, and he's a good hitter. That more aggressive approach just led to good stats, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy is a 30 home run hitter. He's yeah. going to hit for a great batting average. Uh, yeah, again, like a little bit of changes here and there in his profile. But again, overall, he still looks like he, he lost, you know, a little bit of the power kind of came down compared to his like 2018, 2019 peak. But we're still talking about one of the games, you know, one of the game's best hitters. He is putting up barrel rates that are only slightly below what he had before. His hard hit rate last season was just as high as it's been ever. So, you know, it, it's all there. It's all mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Last guy in this tier, Eloy Jimenez, and he's your 21st ranked outfielder. Uh, If you remember uh, last spring, at the end of uh, spring training, suffered what was feared to be a season-ending injury on, of all things, a defensive play, tore his pectoral muscle, came back quicker than expected. Power numbers weren't terrible, but they weren't great either. 10 home runs, 37 RBI, and 213 at-bats. Uh, that's a 188 ISO. Previously, it had a 246 ISO in his rookie season and a 263 ISO in 2020. Give him a pass for last season. Uh, I mean, it seems that most project uh, proje- uh, most projections uh, do. What do you think? He has 24 home runs in his last 110 games. So yeah, that's, that's a pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he he's playing well, right? Yeah. He's hitting the ball real hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what I'm do want him to do. The play discipline looks pretty good, right? He, uh, you know, couldn't hit for the average we hoped for, but remember he had like, he had certain, like he was severely injured. Yeah. Yeah. Early in the season. Might not have had, uh, you know, the mobility that he normally would. Yeah. Coming back I mean, from that, uh, that it, injury. I mean, just imagine none of us are baseball players probably, but imagine I, holding I a fake bat. Ball, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine doing that without a pectoral muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or yeah. a hurt one. Right. right. That's hard. Mm-hmm. That's hard. And he still hit a bunch of home runs, right? Mm-hmm. He still slugged over 400, recovering from a torn pectoral muscle. Right. Right. If that's the floor, sure. Right? Because the ceiling's like 40 home runs and a 280 average. Yeah. This guy can hit. I mean, we, we've seen this kind of upside. He hit 14 home runs back in 2020, right? In 120 games in 2019, he hit 31. So... This guy is just elite power, great contact ability. He doesn't have like the OBP you might expect from a guy with this high of an average because he doesn't walk a ton. This is actually true of pretty much everyone in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, like for the White Sox in general, they've had this philosophy of like just be aggressive, make contact, stop take like you don't need as many walks. So I guess we'll kind of see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, 30 home runs. He's He's still young and – as is pointed out uh, by fan graphs, he grew a lot and like growing a lot is, is hard on the body. Uh, that stuff is also kind of developing. So he's still a young player. He's still a guy who I'm really excited about. You should be really excited about. And don't like what's weird is we kind of stopped talking about him after Lou Bob came up and all these other guys, Eloy's special. And I think he's going to continue to be someone that we count on to be special going forward. Yeah. In a typical 12 team draft, he's going in the fifth or sixth round uh, based on projection models, 30 to 35 home runs, 
uh, 90 to 100 RBI. I think that uh, he'll outplay that ADP by a little bit. And I'm with you. I'm optimistic. And that ends Tier 4. And what happens after Tier 4? We go to Tier 5. And leading us off in Tier 5 uh, and your 22nd-ranked outfielder, Brian Reynolds from the Pirates, uh, enjoyed a nice uh, bounce-back season after a poor 2020, posted the best walk and strikeout rates of his career. And, you know, he plays on kind of a... Uh, depleted, we'll say, <laughs> Pirates lineup. And he could be a trade target with the Pirates continuing to rebuild. And if he does get traded, depending on where he lands, might even help his uh, production even further. Yeah, I mean, people love putting him on other teams <laughs> because the Pirates are bad. Right. And they have a player in his prime, 27 years old. Um, great feel for contact. I I was, you know, still pretty hot. You know, I was still very willing to take a chance on him uh, off the waiver wire in 2021 after he kind of started hot and he mm-hmm. just kept rolling. The guy yeah. never stopped. He was love when that really, happens. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is we were really like, it was really slow to pick him up because his primary tool is his hit tool, right? Mm-hmm. It's not off the charts power. It's not stolen bases. It's hit tool. But at the end of the season, a guy who plays every day hits in the top three in the order and makes a lot of good contact is going to just produce fantasy value out of sheer accumulation. And Brian Reynolds is what we kind of consider one of these elite accumulators because puts a lot of balls in play hits for a high average. And so the fact that his team is no good kind of doesn't matter because they just need to be okay. They just mm-hmm. need to be on the, just if any of them are on the base paths, Brian Reynolds is going to give them a chance to come home. That's the thing. Right? All they need to do is get on base. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the guy so, had 90 ribbies last year. Yeah, for the Pirates. I didn't even know they scored 90 runs. <laughs> right. Right. So that's the kind of thing that he can do. So wherever, like, going to other teams will probably, like, can only improve his outlook. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to rank him here as a Pirate for the full season. Mm-hmm. Right? So, right. I mean, that should, yeah. again, that should tell you what I feel about him. That mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident in this talent level, in this skill set, and that he can repeat and you know continue to sort of do what he did last season yeah uh and uh his uh plate discipline only getting better past couple of seasons uh 18.4 percent k rate uh in 2021 it was 27.4 in 2020 kennel Marte, we spoke about him a lot i think when we did the second base preview but look gives you a good batting average some power not as much as he displayed in 2019 when he hit 32 home runs, you know, the uh, rabbit ball season, but projection models have him hitting 20 plus, uh, you know, low 20 totals, uh, five to 10 stolen bases, I think. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, a guy that uh, could be productive for you. Yeah. You're less likely to put him in your outfield. He's probably your starting second baseman because awesome. Second you know, baseman. Yeah. 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 Cause we, we ranked him like mm-hmm. while inside the top 10 second base. If you remember, he was number mm-hmm. eight, he had a wide projection range, but um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's much more of a known commodity to me than the next guy, mm-hmm. right? The next guy. Yeah, we, we haven't spoken about him in a while. The next guy, Christian Yelich, right? Uh, any room for optimism? Actually, I'm going to tell you, I was thinking of you when I, I was uh, putting some notes together for Christian Yelich because I did a rolling chart, you know, because everyone talks about the, uh, the, the the strikeouts and everything, right? So I did a rolling chart with his, with his strikeouts, right? And 
it started out early in the season. His strikeout rate was like over 40%, but just kept on going down all season long. Uh, and uh, it went down, I think, to like 21.8 or something like that. Yeah, from, from June 1st on, he had a 21.9% K rate and a 14% walk rate. Uh, but uh, as of June 1st, uh, he had a 34.1% K rate, and by the end of the season, it was 238 But just want to let you know that you're in my head, okay? That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's what I like to hear. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. his like his rolling woba has also trended in that direction. Yeah, right. Which is uh, not good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Strikeouts going down. Good woba. No. Oh yeah, you don't want that to go down. <laughs> but uh, it, it is interesting to note that the strikeout rate did essentially do that. It peaked in late mm-hmm. 2020 and then just kept coming down just like you yeah. said mm-hmm. and, and that's what you like to see because now it's back at some of these levels that we have seen before right back in 2019 so maybe he's figured something out uh it's hard to say mm-hmm. it's a huge risk because he's just been such a sandbag uh the last few seasons in terms of ratios he's still putting up some decent power speed numbers uh but they're not great obviously the back is bulky this is one where yeah. You you took two outfielders maybe early mm-hmm. and you have a lot of safety on the team, right? Maybe you started that draft with like a Juan Soto and uh a Nick Castellanos, mm-hmm. right? A Juan Soto and a Whit Merrifield. Yep. And I certainly don't mind a little bit of Christian Yelich with that, right? Mm-hmm. To sort of ramp up the upside there. If it yep. doesn't work out, your base is so strong that you can recover from that. Right, right. Right. And maybe you just take a pick later. That's, you know, whatever outfield drops later, there's always a couple. And that's, you know, that's your backup or your contingency plan. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, well, you know, if, if Christian Yelich doesn't work out, I've still got, uh, I've still got somebody back there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I only need him to be good enough until I can get Ramon Laureano back until I can get, you know, because I've got Jorge Soler and maybe he breaks out too. Or I've got Andrew Benintendi and he's boring, but he's something, right? Yeah, or, yeah. or maybe, just maybe, you got a guy that we won't talk about today, uh, an Akil Badu, right? Maybe you got mm-hmm. some of that, some of that upside. So I got some Akil Badu. I talked to him. We'll yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So he's one. I mean, drafting Christian Yelich is a, is a game plan, right? You're not going to really do it on a whim because of how much planning you're probably going on to do before and after due to the extreme risk. But I still rank him 24th because the upside is, you know, top three hitter in baseball. Mm -hmm. And just, again, the number of players you can say that about, it it always feels like more than it is. But basically, once you get past, like, the top 20 outfield, you really run out of guys who you think could be a top three overall outfield. Because to do that, you have to be able to hit for average, run, and hit for power. There's just not a lot of guys who can do all three of those things. Christian Yelich is someone who has shown he can do that at a yeah. high level. Yeah, so you're, you're going to chase that kind of upside for as long as you possibly can. Mm. And I hate to say this, but though uh, you're right in terms of, you know, we've seen him be one of the top, we'll say five players in the game, but I think those days are gone. I think it's the back. I think, you, I think the, you know, we've seen guys like Joe Maurer, Prince Fielder, uh, even older guys like Don Manningly all suffered power outages because of bad backs. And, uh, you know, we talked that, you know, from June 1st on last season, strikeouts went down. You know what else? You know, and you talked about his Woba going down. Launch angle, 3.3 led to a 53.8% ground ball rate and a barrel rate of just 7.6. Now that's, those aren't the numbers that are going to, you know, 
predicts that someone's going to hit a lot of home runs. And his uh, Fangraph's hard hit rate went from 50.8 in 2019 to just 34.9 last season. I, I hope I'm wrong, but I just uh, I, I think that unless you know something drastically helps this back issue that he's been experiencing, that uh, his best days are behind him. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, me too. Especially because that that launch angle thing that that's a that was a big part of his game back when he was a Marlin. Mm-hmm. He really struggled with ground balls, right? When he did get balls in the air, he just crushed them, right? Mm-hmm. He's got the he's had these crazy home run fly ball percentages in career in his career because he hits a lot of line drives. But again, it's a low margin for error game. When your bat goes out, that margin for error becomes very tough to meet. So mm-hmm. it, it's an issue. But again. I understand the upside is there. And if you've done more research than me, maybe you're willing to make that buy. I probably wouldn't um, simply because I just don't always construct my teams that way. But there are a lot of ways. The reason I rank him here is because there are a lot of ways I could construct a team where I like that pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next guy, I want you to, I want your opinion on this guy and I want your opinion on every guy, but this guy in particular, John Carlos Stanton, because I feel, you know, as a Yankee fan, I watch a lot of Yankee games. Maybe I'm just too close uh, to him and and uh, you know I watch him every day. Um, made some tweaks to his training regimen last offseason, specifically in the way he was running. Right, tried to improve his stride in an effort to limit the time that he spends on the IL. 139 games was the most he's played since 2018. No denying his power. The guy could hit 50 home runs if he plays 150 games. He's he's done it before, right? He did 59 in 2017. Uh, top 1% of average exit velocity and his barrel rate was in the 90th percentile last season. K rate decreased as someone who doesn't watch him play every day. What, what, what's your opinion about Giancarlo Stanton? He looked a lot like the guy that he's been other than that crazy 2017, mm-hmm. right? Where he hit the 59 home runs. Other than that, you know, that, that season line he put up with the Yankees in 2021 sure looks a lot like that 2018 line, Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. It looks like, you know, a, an improvement on 2015, 2016. The problem on those seasons was of course that he missed a bunch of time, but yeah. And then he kind of looks like the guy he was in 2014 when he, you know, when he started coming out or 2012 and 2011, yeah, yeah, he, had yeah, his breakout. Yeah. he looks like the same guy. He looks like a mm-hmm. 30 to 40 home run guy with obviously upside for more. If he sort of finds his groove and plays a, a full season, mm-hmm. but that's what he is. It, the risk is obviously health. He's had a lot of freak injuries, got hit in the face with the ball, just like yeah, weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's not that his body always just keeps breaking down. It was a big problem in 2019, 2020, obviously. Uh, came back a lot in 2021. I mean, again, this is a power, I mean, this is a power bat. It's a big power bat. Mm-hmm. And probably the, you know, I rank him higher than some of the other big power bats because he can hit for average. Whereas a guy like Joey Gallo won't hit for average or Jorge Soler isn't going to hit for average. That's why they're farther down these lists. John Carlos Stanton's up here at 25 because the guy can also hit like 280, right? The projections will put him lower than that because 280 is more like a high percentile outcome, but he can do that. He's not going to hit less than like 260. So that's like, that's what I really like about John Carlos Stanton is that he's just got that one extra tool that the other power guys don't have. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy that could hit for average. We're going to talk about next Jesse Winker uh, from the Reds. And, and tell you, overall offensive numbers, very good, batted 305 last season. And it's a little surprising when you look at what he did against left handers. Uh, against left hander pitching, batted 177 
with a 288 OBP and 284 slug, but against righties, 346 batting average, 642 slug. Um, poor defense and those poor splits are an issue. But you, you know, you, then you start to think, well, is this guy going to DH? No, I know that you know the universal DH is coming, but uh, that looks like it's going to be reserved for guys like Mike Mustakis and and others on the Reds. Yeah, actually, with with him, one thing that's really nice is that this this outfield has sort of loosened up a bit. Where Winker is probably, oh, well, really, definitely their best outfielder by a wide margin, mm. right? In terms of batting. Because it's oh, him, yeah. mm-hmm. Tyler Naquin, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Uh, TJ Friedel. He actually hit 19 home runs this year, but you're right. You know. um, yeah, Tyler, Na- Tyler Naquin hit those home runs. But like Jesse Winker will do that in a third of the time, right? Yeah. And then yeah. on the bench, they've got like Shogo Akiyama, who they've just never really been able to find good use for. And right. Aristides Aquino, who you haven't heard of in two years. And that's because right. he's been bad. Yeah, right? he hit so, like a million home runs in like two weeks, and then you never did anything else, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, so... What, what about what, Nick what, Senzel? They tried to get him in the outfield. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm <laughs> just going to skip that. Uh, <laughs> no, so with Jesse Winker, I, I do think it's going to be harder for the Reds to platoon him the way that they tried to platoon him before. I'm not as concerned about the platoon thing just because he's been okay against lefties before. Not good, but okay. Mm-hmm. And single season stats for splits are not super reliable. They're not super sticky. You really have to look for these longer samples. Uh, Obviously this is a very bad sample. So it does scare me a little, but I do think he's going to hit, you know, second in this lineup, sometimes first, maybe against some tougher righties. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that this lineup is still really, it's not great at the top, but it's okay. Right. Especially if Eugenio Suarez builds it up and can get back to something like the guy he used to be, or at least the guy he was in September of last season. So th- there's upside there. Obviously health is the other big issue. He's, he's really struggled to play a full season, but again, in shallower leagues, I care less that the guy only plays 110 to 130 games. Cause I can make up the other games in the outfield, right? He has yeah. amazing play discipline. This guy, I mean, this is the part that that's always hard because it's spread out over such a long time. It doesn't jump off the page like it should, but in four, he's played 413 career games, right? over 1500 career plate appearances with a 12% walk rate, 16 and percent strikeout rate, a 216 ISO and a 288 batting average, a 504 slugging 385 OBP, a 132 WRC plus. That's an elite player. Yeah. When he plays and again, mm-hmm. when he plays is a big deal, but um, you can chase that upside in these 12 teamers, especially if you haven't been doing it a ton lately. I keep talking about chasing the upside. I don't want you to do that all the time. I'm not going to draft Byron Buxton and then turn around and be like, oh, well, I'll also get, you know, this other super injury risk, a Jesse Winker in my outfield, because that's that's going to make, like, you know, two bad days, and all of a sudden my season is done, mm-hmm. right? Two injuries, two injuries that are, you know, you're still probably looking at, like, you know, if you just go by really, really unintelligent odds, it's what, like 25% chance that you lose one or both during the season? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really hard to recover. You, losing one guy, this early you can recover from losing two is really, really hard. So you don't want to put yourself in a position where that becomes more likely. Mm-hmm. And that's why you have to be careful, but you can get really excited about the elite ratios he's posted whenever he's played. Right. So that uh, brings us just about to the end of this tier. We got Mitch Hanniger, huge bounce back season for the Mariners after he missed 2020 uh, coming off a hernia and back surgery. Um, 
Powell might regress a little bit. He had 39 home runs, but you know, he has the 30 home run power. He just might not hit 39. Okay. Um, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, first base outfield eligible. We talked about him a lot when we did our first base preview. Uh, you know, he's going to have to deal with that, that new wall that the Orioles are building uh, the, in uh, Camden Yards. And uh, then we got Kyle Schwaber, who uh, is a free agent, really kind of had a, a bit of a resurgence when he uh, got traded to the Red Sox, 32 home runs last season. He was white hot at one point last season, wasn't he, uh, this guy? And, and the last guy in this tier, Chris Bryant, third base outfield eligible. We spoke about him a couple episodes ago. Yeah, let's start with Schwarber because you're right. He did have this crazy, like, peak that mm-hmm. happened after he comes with the Red Sox. If you, if you go to the rolling charts, I know I talked about this a little bit when I did my presentation on rolling charts. He really went to like new heights in 2021 happens around halfway through the season. He just starts crushing the baseball. Uh, it does start to come down a little bit, but he rebounds faster and he's got this really nice thing where he hit this low point in like 2020 and he just keeps building on it. And the builds get like, they go a little higher and they last a little longer. They go a little higher and then they last a little longer. So to see what happened in 2021, I'm kind of thinking like, well, what happens if he goes higher and it goes a little longer again? Right. What's that look like? I'm not sure that happens, but a 30 to 40 home run season is definitely in the works for him. He can still put up a pretty good on base percentage and it really doesn't, it's not really going to matter where he goes. I I just hope someone doesn't do what they did in Chicago and lead him off. Right. That's a little (laughs) too money. Like that's like reading one chapter of Moneyball and putting the thing away. Right. right, like, oh, he we, walks we, a lot. Lead him I was off. shocked when, when they announced that they were going to be doing that. <laughs> right, uh, yeah, and, and then some other. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it sorry. hurt his numbers. Right, yeah, he yeah. was much better as a three or four hitter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he'll be wherever he goes now. Um, just remember, the, it's a huge bump in OBP, and it's not nearly as exciting in regular batting average leagues because you know he can hit like two fifty or two sixty. We saw him do that last year. But mostly he hits a lot lower than that. His career average is 237. It's the OBP that's a lot stronger. So that's something to just keep in mind. But this is, I mean, it's pure power. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of speed, not a lot of anything else. Just pure power and a neutral batting average. So that you can see why I'd rank him slightly below Giancarlo Stanton. Because Mm -hmm. there's just a, it's just a little bit lower across the board. Right? Just a little. That's why instead of being in the middle of the tier, he's at the bottom of the tier. And if you look at Mitch Hanniger... It's the same thing, right? Like there's a lot of power there. He had a ton of power last season. We've seen him do a lot of power, but the batting average is a problem. Right. Right. Uh, and you're just hoping that you're getting that 250 at least, right? That That's what you want. You hope. Yeah. You know, because, because with John Carlos. He has Stanton, hit in the 280s, you know, but, but then you think of that 2019 season where he hit 220. But, uh, you know, 250 and 30 to 35 home runs with Hanniger, you're happy. Absolutely. Yeah. But like. If you knew Giancarlo Stanton and him were going to play the same number of games, it's Giancarlo Stanton every time, right? Because everything yeah, yeah. that Stanton's every, 40 home runs. Yeah. yeah everything that Chandler can do, Giancarlo Stanton can do a little better. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything Kyle right. Schwarber yeah, can do, Giancarlo Stanton's better does, on that batting average. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little better. So I'm not, and I'm only going through this little exercise because in the outfield, you have to start comparing a lot of very, very similar players. Mm-hmm. And to do that, this is sort of the analysis you have to do, right? Like, you don't want to always just be, well, 
per plate appearance because that isn't going to be accurate in a lot of cases, but in shallower leagues, it's more accurate. So you can move John Carlos in up in deeper leagues. You'll see those get compressed because injury risks are much more impactful. So just something to think about. But again, and then we can look at a guy like uh, Brian Mountcastle, who has to worry about that, uh, that wall in left field in Baltimore a little bit. Um, they generally are projecting like anywhere from three to five, like he could lose anywhere from three to five home runs, but he could also get, we talked about this at first base. He could get those back by just not being like, by not struggling for the first two months of the year. So that could Mm -hmm. end up being a wash. And then there's Chris Bryant, where this is a player. I'm kind of curious where he ends up, but I also like the more I think about it, it kind of doesn't matter because he's kind of going to do what he's going to do. So he had a, a bit of a bounce back last year. He had the 25 home runs, 10 steals, decent batting average, all that stuff. It was great. I kind of expect him to be the same thing, maybe a little less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because a lot of that power did come when he was a, a cub and not a giant, but I do think, especially in a friendlier park, he can hit 25 home runs. I think in a less friendly park, it's probably a little lower than that. Um, I'm like a 260 average, pretty good all around, right? Yeah. I don't think 25 good. is a ceiling. I think 30 would be a ceiling, but yeah. I mean, if I, I, I see where you go and where in terms of, you know, if you wanted to average it out, the median would be about 25. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'd love to see him sort of land somewhere like Cincinnati. Oh, boy. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because then you could, you know, Tyler Naquin does not need to be a starting right fielder, right? right? Replace that platoon yeah. and go get a Chris Bryant mm-hmm. or like they've got Eugenio Suarez at third and you don't want to move him back to short. Cause he was awful there, Yeah, but you know, there, there are other ways to get Chris Bryant in the lineup. And again, it's a small park. I'd love to see him just rake there mm-hmm. uh, or go back to Chicago maybe and, and hit well there. If they can make the rest of the lineup better, I'd love to see him go into like a, a more hitter friendly park. Like I would all players, but especially mm-hmm. him because when you hit, he's sort of on this line where, because he doesn't hit for a great average, he doesn't have a ton of power, he doesn't have a ton of speed, it, it's harder to separate him out from a fantasy value perspective. You need him to either really do a lot of accumulating or you need him to go to a park where his power can play up, mm-hmm. right? Those are the two things you need because he's not going to run more. And unless he's on a very, very good offense, which probably doesn't require his services, it's going to be hard for him to really rack up runs in RBI because there's a bunch of guys on base. He's going to have to do it by just playing every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, you know, it's harder to compare him to a Schwarber because Schwarber's a guy who can like break baseball for a short time, like he did last year. Chris Bryant's not going to do that anymore. That's not part of his skill set anymore, mm-hmm. but a valuable player nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. We we went through 30 outfielders and all 30 of them in any format, like you said at the top of the show, are starting outfielders on your fantasy team. And uh, when we uh, come back next week, uh, start with tier six and we'll talk guys like Cody Bellinger, uh, Joey Gallo, Jared Kellenick. Uh, I don't know if you heard of this guy, Akil Badu. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, uh, no, no. I'm excited you know, to do some research on him. And yeah, really, yeah. you know, uh-huh. I'll, we'll, I'll send you my notes on him. Yeah. Thank we'll, you. we'll try to cover him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, a polarizing guy like a Marcelo Ozuna, right? I mean, you know, so, uh, you know, we'll uh, be back next Wednesday on March 16th, and we'll dig deeper into the outfield position. And, uh, hey, don't forget to follow me at Joe Galina. 
that guy Scott, Scott Chu, you follow him at If the Chew Fits. And follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Anything specific you want us to cover, let us know. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Nice one if you can. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.